Uh, I want you to turn your Bibles tonight to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I don't usually do this, but I'm going to announce my sermon topic before I start. Okay? Uh, many of the epistles, in fact, all of the epistles, were written many, many times to correct some error that was being preached. By the way, anytime God does something, the devil is going to try to duplicate that. Amen. And uh, so in, uh, in the churches there, in the days of Paul, there were some people that were teaching erroneous doctrines. And uh, nothing new about that. That's always been from the uh, very beginning. Uh, false teachers have abounded. And uh, so many of the epistles written by Paul was written basically to correct some errors. Uh, for instance, you read through 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And uh, I tell you, uh, if, if your church is going through problems, just read 1st and 2nd Corinthians. They had that problem, okay? <laughs> now, I, I, don't, I don't know why, but anywhere you go, there'll be some churches named Corinth Baptist Church. Now, uh, people that call the church Corinth Baptist Church, either they don't know the Bible or they don't have a very high aspiration for their church. <laughs> By the way, I Googled, uh, before I came tonight, I Googled Corinth Baptist Church, Houston, Texas, and about 14 churches. <laughs> I mean, you know. Anyway, uh, Paul is writing here, and he's writing to correct an error. Now, we, we still have it going on today. It's nothing new, okay? Uh, look, if you would, beginning with verse 5, how he describes these people that are teaching false doctrine. Verse 5, he says, Their perverse disputings of men of corrupt mind and destitute of the truth. In other words, he said, their minds are all messed up. They don't know what the truth is. Okay, Paul, what are they preaching? What is the error that they are preaching? Okay, here it is. Supposing that gain is godliness. From such, turn away. And you thought prosperity evangelism was something new. You thought that's what was invented by some of the tell evangelists. Well, they've taken it up, okay? Uh, but here is some people in the early church, first century church, <clears throat> and they're teaching that gain, in other words, if you're healthy, if you're wealthy, then that's proof that you are godly. By the way, nothing could be farther from the truth. 
prosperity evangelism, you'll always be healthy. You'll always be wealthy. Everybody will love you. And by the way, that sounds good. The only problem is it's a lie, okay? So tonight, I want us to think about the right kind of thinking about money and materialistic things. You say, okay, Brother Sid, <clears throat> it's a mission conference. So what in the world does money and materialistic thing has to do with missions? Bottom line, everything. Because of the wrong kind of thinking, many people never get saved. Because of the wrong kind of thinking, many of God's people never commit their lives to doing what God wants them to do. So let me, let me give you just two or three examples of the wrong kind of thinking about money and materialistic things. I'm, I'm just going to mention real quickly three people. One of them is the rich young ruler. And he, he heard what the Lord said. He asked the right question. <clears throat> but the bottom line is that rich young ruler thought, okay, that money, materialistic thing, is more important than my soul. It's not. What shall it profit a man if he gain the entire world and lose his own soul. Another was a uh, young man, rich, wealthy. And uh, he had a big farm. He'd already become wealthy. And uh, he had a big bumper crop. And he began to think. By the way, he had an eye trouble. Every, every other word, I, 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 mine, mine, mine. And he thought, now he could have thought, man, I've already got more than I need. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll help the church. I'll help some poor people. I'll help some widows. You know, I'll, I'll take care of my family. I, you know, I'll, but he never. He never mentioned his family. He never mentioned his wife. He never mentioned anybody else. All he mentioned was himself. I'll tear down my old barns, build bigger barns. And I say to my soul, soul, take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. By the way, there's nothing wrong with eating if you eat correctly. There's nothing wrong with drinking if you drink something right of and God said, thou fool. Thou fool. Now, I didn't say that. God said it. Thou fool. This night, thy soul shall be required of let me, let me mention a Christian you know. A man by the name of Demas. Now, uh, Demas evidently was a saved man. In fact, he had the rare opportunity of working with the greatest preacher that ever lived outside of Jesus Christ himself, the Apostle Paul. He and Paul worked close together, very, very close. 
But just before Paul was executed, he wrote a very sad line. Demas has forsaken me. What did he do, get mixed up in adultery? No. Did he steal some money? No. Did he begin to drink? No. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. What happened to Demas? Little by little, he got closer and closer and closer to the world. And when he did, he got farther and farther and farther away from God. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Hey, have you ever thought about what might have happened to Demas? I mean, some historians believe, and there was a man in Thessalonica by the name of Demas that was a very prosperous and one of the civic leaders of Thessalonica. So Demas may have become wealthy. He may have become very influential. But he left God. And, and if he became wealthy and if he became successful, he became miserable. You walk away from God and you're walking away from the thing that can really bring joy and peace and comfort to your heart. I never will forget 1968. My wife and I came home with our two children. My mother was uh, dying with cancer. She did not have very long to live. And we really didn't have the money to come home on from Japan. And uh, Phoenix, Arizona, we bought an F-85 Oldsmobile. I think it's about 10 years old. Uh, we lived in a basement of a house in Harvey, Illinois, of some friends. And I was in a mission conference in uh, Henderson, Kentucky. And Henderson is just a little bit north of the Ohio River, or south of the Ohio River. You go across the Ohio River, and you're in Indiana. So the pastor, Bill Kellogg, said to me one day, he said, Brother Don, Tomorrow, we're going to Evansville, and we're going to have dinner with a very wealthy restaurant owner. On our way to the restaurant, we passed his house, a mansion. Beautiful. Uh, we got to the place. We parked next to his car. It wasn't my car. It was Bill's car. Thank God for that. We parked next to his car. And uh, it was a baby blue Coupe de Ville Cadillac. So Bill and I went to the restaurant. They seated us. In a few minutes, the restaurant owner came and joined us. We were just chatting, talking, nothing serious. And all of a sudden, he looked at me, Brother Will. And he said, Brother Sisk, I'd give anything in the world to have what you've got. 
You know what my first thought was? I wouldn't mind having some of the things you've got. That Coupe DeVille Cadillac's a whole lot better. That house, that's a whole lot better than that basement apartment we live in. Now, wait a minute. Uh, and I'm, I'm being honest, okay? By the way, I'm always honest, okay? I don't, I don't know why I said that. But I'm being honest. I didn't have enough money to pay for that meal if I'd had to pay for it. Now, why would a wealthy restaurant owner, big, wonderful, great restaurant, with a mansion house, new Cadillac, why would he look at a missionary that has nothing and say, I'd give it to anything in the world? You know the reason? He had that one time. He was a preacher. And little by little, he decided that preaching didn't pay enough. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this person. Now, that's the wrong kind of thinking about money and materialistic things. But Paul tells us the right kind of thinking. So look at it. By the way, uh, my, my, my favorite Motivational speaker has always been Zig Ziglar. From the first time I heard him, I fell in love with him. He's just, just an unbelievably great person. And uh, in one of his uh, lectures that he gave, this is what he said. He said, what most of us need is a checkup from the neck up. <laughs> and our biggest problem is stinking thinking. All right. So Paul gives us here the right kind of thinking. Look at it, if you would. Now they said gain is godliness. And Paul said, from such turn away. Don't even think about that. But then in verse 6 he says, but, here's the right kind. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, if we're going to have the right kind of thinking, we've got to get our priorities right. Now, by the way, money is important. I mean, you have to have money, okay? There's, there's nothing wrong with having money. There's, you know, we have to have, but money is not the most important thing. Far more important than wealth, far more important than materialistic things is godliness. Let me talk to you for just a minute about two kinds of godliness. Number one, there is positional godliness. What does that mean? That means this. The Apostle Paul writing in 2 Corinthians said, and he's talking about God, for he, God, hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin. In other words, he who knew no sin 
was made sin. Now, he wasn't made a sinner. Be careful, okay? But in essence, what happened was this. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When Jesus Christ died on Calvary, now, this is the reason that he agonized in Gethsemane. My God, my God, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. What was that cup? He knew that all the sins of the world were going to be placed upon him. You think about it. Every wicked sin you can think about was put on Jesus. And he suffered and bled and died for sinners. My sin, your sin. First John puts it like this. And he is a propitiation for our sins. The propitiation, the sacrifice that pleases God. He's a propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. By the way, don't let anybody ever convince you that he only died for a few people. Amen. The sin of the whole world. Your sin, my sin. You, you think about all the wicked things in Houston, all of those sins. And all the wicked things of the 8 billion people land, living on planet Earth. All their sins were placed upon Jesus. By the way, Paul said, for we are ambassadors for Christ. We beg you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. When Jesus died on the cross, my sins, hey, make it personal, okay? Make it personal. My sin was placed upon him. Oh, we like sheep had gone astray. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. 1949, in a Youth for Christ meeting, Norton, Kentucky, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Guess what? That night, all of his righteousness was put on yeah. me. Huh? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, if you know you have been justified by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're saved and going to heaven. Let me ask you, how much would you take for that? You say, Brother Don, 
All the money in the world would not buy that. Godliness is great gain. But you know, there's not only positional godliness, but there is practical godliness. Positional godliness means I'm right with God. Practical godliness means I'm right with my fellow man. Uh, listen to Paul again. Bodily exercise profiteth little. Not, not let, get a hold of it, okay. It didn't say it doesn't practice any. So you that are too lazy to exercise, don't, don't take any uh, 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 solace there. But I, I, I think what it means is bodily exercise profits for a little time. Now, that's the time we're here on the earth. It does profit. But listen, he said, but godliness is profitable unto all things. In other words, I'm not a hypocrite. I, I, I'm telling, I tell the truth. I pay my bills. I'm faithful to my wife. You know, on and on and on. My dear friend, there is absolutely no materialistic thing in the world that can take the place of going home at night, laying your head on your pillow and knowing I'm not only right with God, I'm right with my fellow man. So we need to get our priorities right. Number two, we need to have a proper perspective of materialistic things. Now, you hear people say all the time, oh, the Bible is so hard to understand. Uh, let's look and see how hard it is. Look at verse 7 and 8. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Man, that's difficult, amen? No. No. We brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we'll carry nothing out. So look at it. And having food and remnant, let us therewith be, or let us be therewith content. The proper perspective. Listen to Jesus. Lay not up for yourself. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Uh, lay not up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. You know what he's saying? Don't get too heavily involved in earthly, temporal things. Why? Well, it's very simple. Because any earthly materialistic thing that I have, anything bad can happen to it. You buy a new suit. First thing you know, it shrinks. <laughs> or you expand. Same thing with a dress, okay? You buy a new automobile. It begins to depreciate, you know. Snow, ice, and places. 
begins to run. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what it is. Anything I call mine, my house, uh, my automobile, my clothes, my bank account, doesn't, doesn't matter what it is. Anything I have on this earth, anything bad can happen to it. And then one day, none of it will be mine. You've noticed it. Anytime anybody of any wealth dies, one of the first questions you'll hear, I wonder how much they left. The answer is always the same. They left it all. Brother Olaf used to say, did you ever see a U-Haul behind a hearse? No. Let's get the right perspective. We didn't bring anything in this world. And we're not going to take anything else. So Jesus said, lay not up for yourself treasures on earth. Where moth and rust are These break through. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust be corrupt. And where thieves cannot break through and steal. It's an old cliche. But it's a good one. One life to live. To will soon be passion. Only what's done for Christ will last. Listen to a great missionary. By the way, write, read his little book about his journals that he wrote as a teenager and a college student. He is no fool to give. That's what he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. That's Jim Elliot. Listen to Jesus. Let your conversation be without covetousness. In other words, let your lifestyle be without. Uh, the, 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 the biggest problem, and by the way, if you read the newspaper, if you listen to television, if you listen to the radio, all of those voices are going to tell you all the things you have to have. You can't live without this. Let your conversation, your lifestyle be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. Why? Because Jesus, he has said, I'll never leave you, yeah. nor forsake you. Hey, by the way, it's true. If I have Jesus, I have everything I need. And you do too. So let's get our perspective right. Then we must have God's protection. I mean, we live in a materialistic society. And if we're going to have the right kind of thinking about money and materialistic things, then we're going to have to have the protection of Almighty God. Look at verse 9. By the way, most people read this verse totally wrong. Look what it says. 
But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, here's the way most people read it. They that are rich. Hey, by the way, and we'll get to this in a minute, but you're rich. It, it doesn't say that they that are rich. Look at it very carefully. They that will be rich. What does that mean? And that means certain people just decide... I'm going to live in a certain kind of neighborhood. I'm going to live in a certain kind of house. I'm going to drive a certain kind of car. My family and I, we're going to dress a certain way, okay? In other words, I will get it. And it doesn't matter what it costs me. I might have to work two jobs and neglect my children and my wife. But I'm going to get what I want. I, I may have to work for a company that I know is not right. But I'm going to get what I want. They that will be rich fall into all kinds of temptations. And then the Bible says, the love of money is the root of all evil. You think of every evil in our society. And the bottom line is, somebody is making money off of that. Why the liquor industry? Because they're, they're not going to try to help anybody with selling liquor or making No. But they love the money that it makes. The missionary talked about buying marijuana somewhere and taking it back to Alabama. Why? The love of money. The love of money. Uh, pornography. The love of money. Uh, abortion. Hey, by the way, abortion clinics are money-making clinics. It doesn't matter which one you think about. The love of money is the root of all. Okay, how can I not Love money. And there's only way. Keep your nose in this book. Amen. And pray daily that God will help me to have the right priorities and the right perspective and the right protection of Almighty God. Individually, we're not capable of fighting that thing. It's only the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God in us yielding to him that will cause us to live without it. I, I like what Paul said. 
when he wrote to the church at Philippi and thanking them for an offering. You remember what he said? And by the way, I, I, I believe in the depth of my heart. That's the mission, that's the testimony of these missionaries that are with you this week. Now the church at Philippi, time after time after time, they sent offerings to Paul. And he wrote the letter and he's thanking them for it. And then notice what he said. Not that I desire a gift. Now, I'm glad you sent it to me. And it's not because, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. When they go to Ethiopia, when they go to Portland, when they go to Korea, it doesn't matter where the missionaries are going. When they go there and they preach the gospel and people get saved, that's put on your account. So we must have the protection of Almighty God. Then one other thing. And you say, praise God. We're about ready for the last one, okay? So in closing, and don't get too excited. Sometimes closings can be real long. So if some of you ladies put your shoes back on, just kick them back off again, okay? But if I'm going to have the right kind of thinking about money and materialistic things. Now, Paul said, they that will be rich. And I've said so many times, it, it's no sin to be rich. Some of the most generous people I've ever met in my life are rich people. By the way, some of the stingiest people I've ever met in my life are rich people. Okay. That it, it's not a sin to be rich. Now, I can't speak from experience. Well, I can. And by the way, it's not a sin to be poor. It's just unhandy, amen? <laughs> but the bottom line is not, do I have a lot of money? Am I rich? No. no. Do I have very little? It didn't matter. So the bottom line is this. Okay. What is the proper purpose of money and materialistic things? Uh, drop down to verse 17. And look what the Bible says. Charge them that are rich in this world. Uh, uh, who, who is that talking about? Charge them that are rich in this world. Uh, that's talking about everybody I'm looking at tonight. I'm, I'm not looking at anybody that looks like you're starving to death. In fact, I'm looking at a lot of you feel like you've eaten way too much, amen? Uh, I, I doubt if any of you are going to sleep under the bridge tonight. You have a house to live in. You have clothes to wear. Good clothes. You have an automobile to drive. My dear friend, could I announce to you, you're among the 5% of the richest people in the world. So when you look at this verse, don't think of somebody who's got a whole lot of money. Well, look at it. Charge them 
that are rich in this world. Now, number one, that they be not high-minded. Have, have you known people, and, and you, if you've lived very long, now none of you have lived as long as I have, so, but if you've lived very long, you've known people that were poor as Job's turkey. And God blesses them. They become quite wealthy. And all of a sudden, they walk around with their nose up in the air. And when it rains, it probably rains in their nose. <laughs> they get high-minded. Oh, I'm so much better than anybody else. But somebody said, if somebody won't speak to you on the way up, just wait around. They'll be glad to have somebody speak to on the way down, okay? And they're coming down. Pride cometh before destruction and a hearty fault. And pride before a great fault. Or something like that, okay? I didn't quote it just right. So number one, negative. Don't get high-minded. Hey, bottom line is, everything I have, and everything you have came from God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, Paul asked two rhetorical questions, beautiful questions. Who make a thief to differ from another? Now that question has an obvious answer. God made me different. Before I formed thee in the belly, God made you different. And by the way, aren't you glad tonight God made all of us different? Can you imagine a world with 8 billion people that look just like Don Sisk? <laughs> Would that be a horrible world or not? But it'd be worse if all of them look like some of you tonight, okay? <laughs> Who make it be the different from the God? Next question, Paul. What hast thou that thou didst not receive bottom line nothing nothing every good gift every perfect gift comes from God in whom is no reverence neither shadow of turning you say well brother Don you're a preacher everything you have might come from God but I work hard for everything I've got great and who gives you power to work by the way who let you be born in a country where you could get a job and work? Don't get high-minded. Number two, look at it. Nor trust in uncertain riches. So negatively, what's the purpose of money? Number one, don't get high-minded. Number two, don't trust in uncertain riches. You say, brother, says. My riches are very secure. And you're kidding yourself. <laughs> Don't trust in uncertainty. It, it is strange. Many times God blesses us. And if we're not careful, all of a sudden, our faith is transferred from the God that blessed us with these things to the things that he's given us. So negatively, don't get high-minded. Don't 
Put your trust in what God's given you rather than the God that gave it to you. And then positively, look at this. But in the living God, keep your faith in the living. What's the purpose of money? Now, the first one's going to surprise you. But in the living God, who giveth us all things to enjoy. Wow. Aren't you glad God put that in there? God gave us what we have so we could enjoy it. Now, there, I've, I've met people say things like this. And they, well, I really shouldn't live in a house like this. I really shouldn't drive this kind of a car. I really shouldn't be able to have this kind of lifestyle. And every time I hear about somebody say that, I say, okay, go ahead and sell it and give me the money, amen. <laughs> now, by the way, don't ever apologize for the fact that God has blessed you. But God that giveth us all things to enjoy. Now, some people can't enjoy it. They, they make the house payment this month. Then they start worrying. Wonder if I'll be able to pay the payment next month. Forget it. Enjoy it this month, amen? So enjoy what God has given you. There's nothing wrong with it. Now, I, I like good cars. I've always liked good cars. I remember one time. I had a Buick Riviera. It had leather seats, all the bells and whistles and everything. And a preacher friend of mine got in that car. He filled those leather seats. He began to play with different things. And he said, well, I think I'll be a missionary <laughs> so I can get something like this. And uh, he was a very kind preacher, okay? I don't know what kind, but... Uh, and I, I thought a minute and I said to him, I said, you know, when Virginia and Renee and Tim and I used to carry groceries up Mount Rocco, where we lived, because we didn't have enough money for a taxi, and we didn't have an automobile. I said, I, I don't ever remember anybody walking beside me and saying, oh, I wish I could be a missionary <laughs> so I could do this. But I'll be honest with you. If God took my car, my house I live in, everything I've got, I would not get mad at God. In fact, I try to walk some every day. So if I have to go back to walking, I can. Amen. What's the purpose? Enjoy it. By the way, a lot of old people can't enjoy what God's given them. Because they're saving it up for their children to fight over after they die. I like the sign I saw one time on a big RV. I am spending my children's inheritance. Don't, don't get high-minded. Don't transfer your trust to things, but 
enjoy what God's given you. Then again, look at verse 18. That they do good. That they do good. John Wesley said, or Charles Wesley said, I believe that every born-again child of God ought to make all of the money they can make honestly and live on as little as they can and give all that they can to the work of God. One life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I like this one. Ready to distribute. Hey, don't cling too tightly to what God puts in your hand, but be willing to distribute. You know what God is looking for? God is looking for some channels. When he can find a man, a woman, when he can find a group of people that will be distributors, there is literally no limit to how much God might give through us. When we take our faith promises on Sunday, huh? think about it, pray about it, and then be willing to distribute. You know, when we need things, we, we always get the idea, oh, it'd be great if we had a bunch of millionaires, wouldn't it? And by the way, if a man's a millionaire and wants to join the Rise Baptist Church, you're not going to reject him just because he's a millionaire, amen? But the bottom line is, God doesn't necessarily mean millionaires. You know what he needs? Just some channels that will take it from him and then pass it on. The right kind of thinking about money and materialistic things. Many times the problem is from the neck up, and we need a checkup from the neck up because we're inundated with stinking thinking about money and materialistic things. Let's bow our heads. How many of you tonight can say with me, Brother Sis, there's a lot of things I don't know, a lot of things I don't understand. But one thing I know, one thing I know, there was a time when I was lost and on my way to hell. I realized I was a sinner, could not save myself. I heard the gospel. I realized Jesus Christ died for my sin, was buried and resurrected from the grave, and that he's a living Savior, and he's willing and ready to save. And there was a time. You might not know the day, but I know there was a time when I trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And brother says, tonight, I can say from the depth of my heart, I have biblical reasons to know that if I died tonight, heaven would be my eternal destiny. If that's your testimony, lift your hands real high. And leave them up for just a minute, would you? What a beautiful sight. What a beautiful sight. People who know they're saved and going to heaven. My dear friend, that is positional godliness. I wonder tonight, as you may put your hands down, I wonder tonight, 
If there's somebody here tonight, say, Brother says, I don't know for sure that I'm saved and going to heaven. Now, I do know for sure that I don't want to die and spend eternity separated from God in hell. But I don't know for sure that I'm saved. By the way, a young person, teenager, older person, anybody, you can know. These things I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Once there's somebody tonight say, Preacher, I don't know for sure I'm saved and going to heaven. I want you to pray for me tonight. Would you give me that privilege? I won't embarrass you. I won't call your name. I wouldn't know it. But I will pray for you. Just lift your hand and say, Pray for me, preacher. I'm not real sure that I'm saved and going to heaven. Not real sure. One of their Christians here tonight, and maybe God has pointed out through the Word of God, the Bible, some erroneous thinking on your part. And you'd like to get that thing right tonight. Pastor, come and pray for us. Lord, help us now to obey you. You've spoken to our hearts. Your Spirit is working in us through your Word. May we be obedient to it now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As the piano plays, would you come and give it to the Lord? Maybe there's a, a perspective that you've had off and when it comes to your thinking. You've had the wrong purpose. Priorities not where they need to be. Sometimes the challenge in our life is, well, when I get to this point, then I will do something for the Lord. But right now, I need to put the priority on myself and my own purposes. That finds us in the area of those who would be rich. May we put the Lord first. Come. Um.